Hello and welcome back to my next episode. I'm Antje Boyd, founder of findoneelite.com on the podcast, dating tips for single women. And my favorite I always like to hear is the perspective of a man. So ladies, guess what? I have a wonderful guest here with me today, Frank Kermit. Hi, Frank. Hello. Hello, everybody watching and listening. Hi. I'm so delighted to have you here. And I'm sure the women's ears are peeled to whatever device they're listening on or, or watching. Um, and we're going to be talking about men and women, the needs in a relationship and in dating, right? So yeah. we're really excited about that. And before we go there, I would just like to say a little bit about Frank. So you actually know who this wonderful, amazing man is that we're talking to today. So Frank, had, for over 15 years, Frank has refined his skills and expertise, developing and teaching his own original work based on his emotional needs analysis theories. Today, there's the emotional needs analysis mastery system. Also, Frank has extensive extensive practice and professional coaching experience in private practice for couples, singles, and even in the matchmaking industry, right? So ladies, like this, you're in for a treat here. His client base is worldwide, Canada, USA, Australia, Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. And by the way, he is also an author of over 20 books on relationships and 25 plus audio programs. He's also a media correspondent for, for print, television, and radio. So with that, welcome, Frank. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so delighted to step into that wealth of arsenal of wisdom that, you, that we're like all waiting here for you to share with us today. And hey, before yeah. we go there, as usual, I, we always want to know, like, what got you so passionate and interested, clearly, you're all about this work, right? What, what were, what's the initial, what was it for you? Um, I come from a place of pain. That's really where it started. Um, I had three major strikes in terms of bad experiences that happened within a short amount of time. Um, I got stood up at my prom. I lost my ex-fiance to one of my best friends. And I was with a woman for about two years as friends who insisted she could never date me because we were of a different race, religion, and culture. And then one day after two years of hanging out with her, taking her out, spending time as friends, she announces to me that she's getting married to a man who was of a different race, religion, and culture. And now in between these three major strikes, there were other experiences that didn't work out so well. And the first time it happened, getting stood up at my prom, I could point the finger at someone else and say, well, they're just bad people. Lost my ex-fiance to my best friend. Okay, at that point, I can still say, well, I, I trusted the wrong people and, and there's something wrong with them. They shouldn't have betrayed me. When the third major strike happened, I did something different. I took accountability. You see, if, if something bad happens to you, sometimes you may not have played a part in it. When bad things happen, it's not always your fault. But when you are consistently experiencing bad thing after bad thing after bad thing, there's a common element in all of those situations. Common element was me. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, now this, I can't point the fingers around anymore. This is on me. I'm doing something wrong. And if I don't change, this part of my life will continue to get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, the night of my strike three was so bad because uh, I, I said, look, I, I have to understand this. And I talked to the girl and I said, what did he do that I did not do? Right. Yeah. And she answered, well, I wasn't looking for it. It just happened. He pursued me. He seduced me. And that was it. Whereas I respected her boundaries in that respect. He didn't. He pursued her. He got her. Mm-hmm. And that for me was a bit of a, a shock that she simply said he seduced me. Mm-hmm. When I left her place, I was on the highway. My hands were shaking so bad trying to drive the wheel. Um, almost got into an accident, decided I better go park the car. And it was just, it was just a very horrible experience that night. I went home and I contemplated suicide Mm. because this wasn't just a one time thing. This was, you take the pain of the prom that I never dealt with. You take the pain of the ex fiance, someone who I was going to marry and then ends up with my best friend. All this accumulated pain just became to a point where I said, I I can't go on like this. So either I'm going to change or I'm going to kill myself. And it really was this, that was the amount of pain I had to move away from, the level that I'm going to kill myself if I don't fix this. So one way or another, I'm going to die, whether I'm going to die socially and create a new person, or I'm going to die physically and take away, you know, and shoot myself. Mm-hmm. So that began this journey where, and please understand, I never wanted to get into the business of this. I already was on a career track working in administration in the entertainment industry. That's where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I'm educated mostly. Now, part of that education was to take therapy-related courses, acting-related mm-hmm. courses, and drama therapy and so on, some psychology. Mm-hmm. So I have that as part of my background as well, but that wasn't where I was looking to go. Um, what ended up happening is that I decided to start documenting everything. I started a journal and no matter what it was, no matter what advice I got, I would try it. Then I would document the results and I would try the new thing and I would document Mm -hmm. the results. Mm -hmm. It took me three years of trial and error where if somebody says, go to the park, sit under a tree, read a book, girls will approach you. Okay. (laughs) Took a book, read it in the park. No one would approach me. Documented that said, okay, this didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. just keeping track of everything that I did, what worked, what didn't. And then I went and looked for patterns and the patterns I found was that when I committed certain behaviors, when I said certain things on a date, when I behaved in a certain way in a social context, the results soon became predictable mm-hmm. so that we could predict whether or not sex was going to happen on a date. We could predict whether or not commitment was going to be offered in dating someone. Everything became clear because we found very identifiable behaviors and emotional needs. And I have to thank a mentor of mine, Dr. Amir Sambangi. He was the first, uh, first person to introduce this concept that people have emotional needs, that people will respond to things. So intellectually, they think one thing, I would really like a nice person, but their emotional needs cause them to respond to people who may not necessarily be 
a good dating partner for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Once I had this understanding and I started to identify the emotional needs of women, because that's where I started learning about the emotional needs of women, getting to the point where I went from no sex for five years to having five lovers and girlfriends at the same time, ethically, they all knew I was dating other people. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> um, getting stood up at the prom to having a poly date which is bringing two girls that I'm seeing at the same time to the same dinner day on Valentine's day, uh, losing my ex fiance to my best friend. Then seven years later, reconnecting with her. Now I want to make it clear that like, we, although we did try to be in a relationship again, it still didn't work out because we simply were not compatible. Mm -hmm. But the closure that I was able to experience mm -hmm. going through that process, mm -hmm. that was worthwhile for me. Wow. Absolutely. Um, so it was just basically this from loser to seducer. That's the uh, title of my autobiography, because as I said, not only did I document everything, 23 books, a lot of it comes from those days where I was just writing down everything that was happening. And now I present it as this is my advice for people to help you find sex, love and commitment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, that's pretty much how I got into this. Uh, and I still, even when I had done all this and I had written uh, my first book, my goal was to let me write this book, put it out there for the world. I don't want to answer any questions. Uh, I don't want to be this coach. I just don't want to get into the business. It was more of a, a cathartic thing for myself. I wanted to heal by put, writing everything down, putting it in a book. And that was my way of saying, okay, I'm, I'm giving this to the world, make the world a better place. Now I'm just going to go back to my regularly scheduled life. Right. What ended up happening was that my friends started seeing I was making incredible changes. They started seeing me uh, show up to social events, initially always single and alone, to showing up with somebody with me. Mm -hmm. uh, one social circle saw me bring a different girl uh, to a social circle event once a month for three months straight but not because I had stopped seeing the other two. I was still seeing everybody. And, I was, and, and my social circles weren't exactly too supportive of this new yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. So they had started seeing me do things like that, and people started saying, hey, Frank, can you, can you help me out here? All right, you know what, let's meet up for lunch. I'll, we'll talk, we'll chat, I'll give you some advice. You can pick my brain. Uh, meeting one-on-one -on -one with people, ended up meeting with me, uh, eventually meeting groups of people. Mm -hmm. Sitting in cafes, everybody taking notes and asking me questions. Wow. I just got so fed up. I said, you know what? I'm going to write this book. I'm going to write a book. So whenever someone asks me a question, I'll send them to the book. You don't have to bother me anymore. Yes. Great. They come to me. I send them to the book. They buy the book. They read it. Now they have even more advanced level questions, <laughs> more specific questions. Right. One of the areas I came to specialize in was helping adult male virgins. Mm -hmm. uh, which, and then when you tack on uh, the work I did with the matchmaking industry, where I coach matchmaking clients, uh, that's also extended to women who are adult aged virgins and trying now to get into the dating world. So I ended up with a specialty with that because I just ended up coaching so many of them that I started creating programs for them as well. So each product I have, each book I wrote was for a specific demographic of people who kept coming to me with the same questions. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I got into this. And with my background in entertainment administration, I mean, um, right? radio, television, and so on, it's just a natural, it's just a natural uh, transition for me to just, okay, well, I'll go on television to talk. I'll do the radio interviews and so on. 
So that's pretty much where I am now. That's mm. how I got into this. Awesome. Oh my God. So awesome. Yeah. So let's get a little bit into the nitty gritty. You know, what, what are some of the, the tips that you can give those single women? They're just like, okay, great. He accumulated all this knowledge, but right. what let's, are, let's get right into it. Okay. Now what your are audience some challenges, you know, that they might not be aware of, but I think it's a challenge on the surface. Mm-hmm. But actually, there is something that's actually underneath that they need to look at, the underbelly of the iceberg, so to say. I'll start off by saying that coaching women is very different than coaching men. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of women come into coaching with a different mindset than they do with men. Uh, when a man comes to me for coaching, he's looking to say, look, tell me what I need to do. I need to change. I need to fix this. Women tend to come into coaching initially trying to figure out how they're supposed to change the other person they're with to get what they want. That is the number one difference with men and women coming into coaching. So my first bit of advice, ladies, if you're listening, uh, if you have to change him in order for him to be what it is you want to get what you want, you're with the wrong person and you are wasting your time. And this is something, uh, the book I wrote for women, it's my coaching workbook for women that has all the writing exercises, all the advice that I specifically give to women, uh, which your listeners are going to get for free uh, from listening in this interview. The title of the book is, I'm a woman, it's my time. To remind you that you have a certain amount of time on this planet, you have a certain amount of time to be alive. Don't waste it. If somebody has to become something else to be with you, you're with the wrong person. You're better off cutting your ties and moving on. Right. Finding someone who is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So that's the first bit of advice I'm going to give to women. The second bit of advice I'm going to give to women is that men and women are different. What you would want as a partner, what would make you feel loved in a relationship is very, very different than what a man will interpret as being loving in a relationship. More often than not, women will do for men and give to men the way they themselves would like to receive and and, and be shown that love. It doesn't have the same meaning. I'm not invalidating the emotion. The emotion is relevant. The way that it is exercised, that is where the two genders don't always connect. So understand that just because it's something you would want is not necessarily going to work when you decide to do this to your male partners. Can you give me an example for that? Okay. Um, If a woman is upset and she's so frustrated in the moment that she decides that she's in that moment, she just needs to clear her head and walk out of the room. If the man doesn't follow her in a couple of minutes to check in on her, Some women may feel, oh, you see, he didn't approach me. He didn't chase after me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care. And they start making interpretations of that. Because as a woman, she would have this want of somebody coming in and saying, I'm not going to abandon you. We're going to work this out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's reverse the genders here. Man gets so frustrated in a moment. He's, he's, he's there. They're in a fight. Something's going on. And he decides to exit the room. The last thing he wants is for anybody to follow him because his emotional need being expressed at that moment is quiet time. Give me my space. Let me reorganize my thoughts. Let me categorize these feelings so I can manage these emotions. 
The last thing he wants is somebody following him and furthermore, taking up his quiet time because in that moment, what he needs is to reset and recharge. Mm-hmm. Why is she following him? Is she trying to be malicious? Is she mm-hmm. trying to push him even more? Is she trying to get uh, him even more emotionally riled up? No, it's her way of showing love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not connecting with him because at that moment, his way of showing love is to give the person space because that's what he would want. Oh, so that's one wow. example. That's one oh my gosh, I'm, feel, I'm sure it's like bing, bing, bing. There's like some light bulbs going off right now. I can already feel the women listening to this. I, I think that's like fascinating. I never thought about that example, you know, to just, um, to just be like uh, okay with, with that place because women might, might feel anxious because they don't know, is the guy okay? Is he leaving me? Is he thinking about leaving me? Or is he? And so that's why we want to like follow him, right? You just want to like make sure, you know, just kind of like anger exactly. that just tell me everything is okay. And yeah. the opposite is true. The guy just needs to be like completely by himself, right? So give me like three, three tips, you know, three, you know, that you can give women, especially the ones who are like, oh my God, right? Like this is, I I need to wrap my head around this, right? Right. Because they probably look at how they've done it in all of their relationships wrong, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, now what? Okay. Let me start off with the first rule. And this is how women, and if look, if you can understand this, You're going to be able to understand why some women, after being in marriages for 15 or 20 years, are so frustrated, they're walking away from what are actually good marriages. Mm -hmm. If you can understand this concept, this becomes predictable. Because in my practice, what I see, I see older women who were leaving, and I'm not saying the marriages were perfect, but I'm saying the marriages were good enough that there was no issues of violence right there was no issues of infidelity we were not dealing with children being abused we're not dealing with addictions that are wiping out the family's financial thing we're basically dealing with a couple that's been together for 15 20 years and they're just butting heads they're just not getting along if you can understand why some of those women are leaving here's what i see in my practice they decide i've had enough i'm leaving i'm going to go out there and i'm going to do better And within two or three years, they're coming into my coaching and they're saying, and once we get to the heart of what the issues really were, I never should have left my marriage. I never should have gotten that divorce. And they can't tell their female friends out of fear that the female friends will say, are you crazy? You did the right thing. Mm -hmm. Now her retirement has been put off. Uh, Every time she's trying to organize something with the kids or the grandkids at that point, uh, there's always this tension about is the ex going to be there? Is the ex not going to be there? Who's going to get to see when on what holiday and so on? It's not necessarily a much happier life for them. Mm-hmm. Some of them go from living in a wonderful home to now having to rent an apartment and having to fit and having to go back to work to make sure that they have enough for their own uh, you know, for the finances for the rest of their life. Right. Trying to find a new partner when you have this type of history um, it's women will have no problem finding a sexual partner. They'll always be able to find another sexual partner, but to find somebody that wants to step in and be a stepfather to your existing family, step grandfather, sometimes find somebody who says, yes, I'm going to take everything that I have left and I'm going to risk it all on you. Doesn't happen. Not at least doesn't happen often enough. That makes it a general expe- expe- expectation. Mm-hmm. So, 
let's get right into this, okay? Now, when I got into this, understand something. I have a learning disability. That's why all of my books have spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes in them. I wrote them myself. No ghostwriters, no outside help. I did it me. I have a learning disability, so when I was creating these theories, I had to create something that was easy to remember. It had to be a general rule, because if we're trying to remember 10, 20, 30 rules, I'm not going to survive. And after what I'd gone through, I said, I need bare bones. Give me a simple rule. Here's the rule, ladies. Okay? It's called the mother-lover theory. I call everything a theory because it hasn't been proven by a university yet. Mother-lover theory. A woman can only play one of two major roles in a man's life. She either takes on the role of his mother or she takes on the role of his lover. She cannot do both. When a woman takes on the role of mother, because she's in that mothering role, any sexual advancement that he makes to her, she's going to reject. She's not going to feel interested in participating. And she'll start to resent having to mother somebody who at one point was it was a romantic partner. When a woman is on a date, now we're going to go back to initial dating, and she tries to do something mothering and the man halts the mothering instinct. Even if he's doing it in a way that she says, you know, you, you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be a, such a jerk about it. The mothering instinct being halted allows by default for her to potentially feel like a potential lover for him. So initially when two people are dating, certain social norms that men will follow are all about halting this mothering instinct. Don't worry about where we're going to go. I'm going to decide where we're going to go. I relieve you of the burden of having to mother me. Mm-hmm. All the things that a guy does through courtship if we interpret them as halting the mothering instinct, now we understand why some women start to develop feelings of attraction, sexual feelings, feelings of attachment. And it's those guys who will halt the mothering instinct at every turn that she becomes more attached to. Golly, what do bad boys do? What do jerks do? No matter what she says, no matter what she does, he halts the mothering instinct. Don't tell me what to do. I'm a man, and if you don't like it, get lost. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a jerk, but he's halting the mothering instinct. He's stopping it at its tracks. What does the nice guy do? The nice guy says, I just want to make you happy. I'll agree with whatever you say. I won't plan the date. I'm going to ask you, what do you want to do, and I'll just do it. It's a sweet gesture. It really is. There's nothing bad about these nice guys. But the role that she takes when she starts planning all the dates and he says, okay, I'm going to do it, mimics the roles that a mother would have with a young child when the child is seeking approval from the parent. Mm -hmm. It's sweet. Oh, but he's a nice guy. He's a great guy. But I'm just not feeling it. What she's saying is my mothering instincts got triggered. I can't feel sexual. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So you're either his mother or his lover. Now let's apply this to those 20 year marriages that for some reason are still ending up in divorce, even without the major components that we normally associate. Why 70% of women are initiating divorce. 
it's not because every single one of them is a bad is a, they're dealing with violence or addictions and infidelities and so on. These women are feeling resentful. Why are they feeling resentful? Initially, two people get together. He halts the mothering instinct. She feels like a lover. After 20 years, though, she's feeling more as if she's mothering him. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't the guy see this as a problem? Why is he blind to it? Why is it that she decides one day, I said, I've had it, I'm leaving. And he's wondering, what happened? It's because under men's emotional needs, one of our emotional needs is a need for femininity. Men respond to what their interpretation of femininity is. Mm-hmm. Nurturing is a subcategory of femininity. So while she's being mothering to him, which is creating a resentment in her, he interprets that mothering as nurturing, a subcategory of his need for femininity. He doesn't see it as a problem, and she's getting more and more frustrated and resentful. To the point where after 20 years, he thinks everything is going good and can't understand why she's leaving. And she herself cannot articulate it other than, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. That is how you can, and when I've worked with older couples who are trying to, uh, you know, get back the spark, get back the magic and so on. All I'm doing is I'm teaching them the same thing I teach young couples. I remind him not to allow her to mother him. And yes, be willing to make her upset by saying, stop mothering me. Mm-hmm. Those are the three sexiest words a man could ever say to a woman. Stop mothering me. Because yes. in the moment, if she gets upset and says, you know, you don't have to be like that. I don't I have to have to be like that. I'm going to be like that anyway. Stop mothering. I already have a mother. It's not you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's such a jerk. I can't believe him. But the mothering instinct gets halted. So there's a chance for the lover feelings to develop. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's a mistake that women make when I do, let's say I do seminars. Um, uh, sometimes I work with uh, mental health centers and I'll go in and it's because most of the guys who are there, a big part of the reason that they've either contemplated suicide or uh, they're in deep depressions is that they've been unable to connect with a woman. They've been unable to make the relationships work. Mm-hmm. So they call me in to teach emotional needs and how to get into dating. Uh, when there are women in the audience, one of the big questions they have is, like, how do I stop that from ever happening? And the answer is, don't mother the men you're with. It's in, it's in your nature to want to be giving to someone you love. That's okay. But when you're giving to the point where you're doing things for him that he could and should be doing for himself, if you find yourself feeling resentful, Meaning, yes, I'm doing this for him, but I resent doing this for him. Stop doing it. Right, exactly. Because the more you do it, the more resentment you're going to feel, and you're killing your own relationship anyway. So I'll give this example, because this seems to just be coming up so much, okay? It's the dishwasher example. (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, because when I say this, I always have at least one woman. I always have at least one woman in the group who says, I do that. Okay, woman loads up the dishwasher, turns on the machine, but she has a certain system to do it. Maybe she'll load up the dishes, so instead of three cycles of the machine, it only takes two. Maybe she likes to have her dishes be in a certain spot in a certain way. 
see, guys are not like that. Our attitude is our job is to get it done. Right. So the guy will go in, and if he's rinsing the dishes, he's putting them in the dishwasher, he says, ah, I'll, I don't mind doing an extra load of dishes and do smaller loads. Or I might just organize them like this because I don't see the point in blowing them up. Right. If she goes in and fixes the way he organized the plates, that's an act of mothering. Right. As opposed to saying, he does it his way, I do it my way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what does the average guy do? What does the average guy do? He's just loaded everything. He's about to turn on the machine. So she wants to walk in, check up on him as if he's a child, and say, this is not done right, as opposed to, well, this is done differently from the way I do it. Right. So awesome. It is the man who says, get the hell out of my kitchen, lady. I'm doing the dishes. I do it my way. I don't have to do it your way. My way is not wrong. It's just different. Get the heck out of this kitchen. Wow, what a jerk. But he's halted the mothering instinct. Yeah, definitely. It's because, so true. Yeah, because he's not afraid of the conflict. Yeah. He's not afraid of that conflict. He's not afraid of saying, get out of my way. I'm putting you in your place. This is not for you. Stop mothering me. And that's actually like what... Um, you know what I really say that's like when women say he didn't have an edge right like a yes. man having an edge and now that I think back you know when I started met my husband he halted me right pretty much like from the get-go like mm -hmm. you know if I just think back and I just like oh I can just come in lunch break anyways even though he says he works you know I'm just gonna seduce him right like and he halted me and it was exactly what he said like I was really upset about it I'm like mm -hmm. what the heck you know, but it just, I just really respected him. And I just found myself being more attracted to him. And, and it kind of annoyed me because I'm like, no, I'm annoyed, but I'm attracted to him. So absolutely. Well, we're at the end of our show, Frank, there's so much more oh. to, to talk about. I have to have your back. But so for now, I'm sure the women are like, oh my God, we just got started. So we definitely want to hear more about Frank's wisdom and, and, and just, you know, I'm sure like the minds are blown. So how can they, what do you have for them to, to get started and to, you know, really shift their mindset and, and also get in contact with you? Okay. The first thing you can do is visit my website, franktalks.com. Frank talks with an S. Mm -hmm. When you get there, look for the book in the book section. I'm a woman. It's my time. Use coupon code women. 30. So it's W-O-M-E-N-3-0. Use that code at the checkout. You'll get that ebook for free. It has every writing exercise that I take women through, even the controversial ones. I've, uh, there are a couple of my writing exercises that are controversial. They're in that book. There's an entire two chapters in there of advice I only give to women. So it's advice different than the advice I give men. There's the hierarchy of relationships and dating where I teach you how to manage everything from a one night stand all the way to an open marriage. If that's something you're looking for, a monogamous mm -hmm. marriage, because mm -hmm. each level requires different criteria and a different mindset. So um, start with that book. And uh, if we were to enter a coaching program, that's the book you would be getting anyway. So this is a good way just to get a feel for what I would have to offer. Uh, always better to be respected than liked. And that's why women choose to be sexual with men. They respect the guys that they like. Well, I like him. He's a friend. I'm not turned on by him. 
Right. But the right. women, but the men that women respect, she can't help but feel attractive. Right. That's why your husband got you, and that's why my wife and I decided to get married after twenty six hours together. Mm. Oh uh, wow! Yeah. yeah it's a, there's a lot more to tell in this story. Oh. We'll get a chance to do this interview again. In the meanwhile, yeah, ladies, thank you all for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show and let's, you know, really, uh, what's the showering us, you know, with your wisdom, like I feel really showered and inspired and, um, awesome. Frank. So franktalks.com. Um, I'm a woman. It's my time. Check out women, women, women 30. Use that as a coupon code and you get that book for absolutely free. Thank you so much. Frank, for being on the show and really making me think, you know, and just and seeing things differently, right? And, and seeing like, oh, what are, how do I respond to the dishwasher? Yeah, that sounds very, very similar, but I do it the second way, what you said. I'm just like, okay, whatever, you just did it and <laughs> it's fine, you know, so awesome. For the ladies out there who are struggling with trust issues, attracting emotionally unavailable men, right, who are a little bit too much on the other side, right, too edgy, I would almost say, um, I invite you to come on a find the right man clarity call with me, 60 minutes where we uncover what are those blind spots that are stopping you in your tracks and what you really want to create. So hop on over to findmonelite.com to sign up for that. And again, Franks, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm, I'm definitely going to have you back. No question about it. And have a wonderful rest of your day, ladies. Again, Auntie Boyd founder of findoneelite.com. Take care. Bye-bye.